If you're recording, I'm recording, and, um, you know, like I said, just uh, send me what audio you have, and I'll be able to sync everything up. It's not a big deal. Uh, so you're recording right now? All right, well, take your ears away from the thing. <laughs> I just wanted a loud noise to uh, put a spike in the... Uh, audio so i know exactly like or approximately where to try and match our audios up it was just you know uh yeah so here we are again recording uh for a show that we've been doing apparently like five years um <laughs> yeah it's kind of creepy <laughs> i was i was looking at that the other day like um i think the first time that i recorded a show on my own was uh, 2013, and uh, you joined uh, not too long after. I think after episode seven, so that would have been seven seven months after that. Uh, I want to say I started recording the show late in 2013, though. I want to say it was like uh, you know maybe even December, September, October, somewhere in there. Um, and then yeah, you joined me shortly thereafter. So we've been doing this like five, six years, something like that. I mean, we're up to like episode. Like, we're in the 60s or something. It's kind of a donk, um, considering that we only do one a month. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, I've been uh, talking that long. And indeed, uh, this is an episode, uh, again, I, I I haven't gotten with you at all. Um, and that's, uh, you know, my my fault, everyone listening. That's, uh, that's mainly because of me. I've been... Uh, Working some very, very odd hours. It, it, it's, you know, I told James, like, earlier, I, I told him via text. I said, you know, don't worry about 
it being too late to record, uh, I literally am up all night, you know, I, and, uh, then when he heard my daughter was still up, he was like, Oh my, what's she doing up? Cause right now it's like 11 o'clock my time and she's still up. Well, this is still early for her. And we've been trying to revert her back because school's going to, unfortunately, you know, they're making us redo school again. Um, and she is uh Are you guys going back into the classroom you guys doing distance learning we're doing back in the classroom unfortunately um oh, it, it's it has me in knots um about 60 percent, i think opted to do the distance learning uh unfortunately with my wife working full-time during the day and me working full-time during the night there's i mean the poor girl i, I feel it's really the victim here is caroline because I'm asleep during the day, and yeah, she wakes me up throughout the day, and it sucks. Um, or she was for a long time, anyway. Um, and she's just kind of reverted or gotten to where she stays up and waits for me, you know? And she's, like, up all night, and uh, during the day, she sleeps like Dad does. And uh, it's not good for her, I'm sure, in some ways. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. When I was her age, I, I tended to stay up really late myself. But, I mean, she's up. Like, the other day, I, I put her to bed at 3 o'clock and was like, finally, some time for myself. And I, I tried to watch a movie or something. I don't even remember. And then uh, went to check on her. The sun was coming up, you know, thinking she'd be asleep. Nope, she's just sitting there watching Barbie. So I was like, ah, Caroline, good Lord. Oh, boy. Uh, let's go get breakfast, you know, so... <laughs> We just went and got breakfast together, and that's the new norm right now. And, yeah, unfortunately, if I try to do the distance learning, you know, she can get on the computer herself and all that, but then, like, I'm supposed to go over things with her and everything like that. Um, it, it would just be really tough in the situation my wife yeah. and I are in. Uh, I'm working almost infinite as per usual, and they've changed the hours uh, in my company to where... Um, they want me and the guy I work with uh, to be there when all the distributors show up uh, because they're having some major discrepancies, um, like people stealing crap or something. And it's yeah, I mean, who the hell steals bread, you know? Or would but you you think that, but then you think, well, you know, a, a tray of bread is like seventy bucks, depending on what it is. It could be a lot more. And then you know, if these distributors. If they say they didn't get something and then sell said something to an old country store that doesn't use, you know, modern day technology, more, uh, you know, paper trail, if any trail at all, they can make that $70 and it's all under the table and free and clear for them because when they say they don't get something, it gets credited. And so they're having me and Chuck, the guy I work with, stay extra late. Uh, to try and keep an eye on them, unfortunately, these guys come in everywhere from 2 in the morning to uh, sometimes as late as noon. And we're not going to stay there that long, so it's like it's a pointless endeavor, but it's it's one of these things, you know, someone higher up that doesn't understand how things actually work is trying to solve a, an existing problem that really doesn't have any any way to be solved outside of hiring another person to be there permanently to watch these guys. Um just piling more crap on me and the guy I work with. So we're there infinite and doing all kinds of other goofy stuff and doing something uh, called whiz tickets where we have to keep track of um, anything we notice that is damaged or missing. Um, 
which is really weird because it doesn't matter if we notice it's not like oh no you know i this loaf of bread is damaged i'll replace it with this other loaf no that should happen at the bakery level because you know they need a guy there going oh no this loaf of bread is damaged i should replace it with another loaf because he has that capability i do not uh it's just a big clusterfuck is basically what i'm getting at and uh, they're just having us there all the time it feels like anyway and uh under not new management but management that is relatively new and trying to uh prove themselves so that um or you know I don't, I don't know if you, you deal with this type of stuff in schools, but I'm sure a lot of listeners, you'll have this management that just has no idea what goes on beneath them, and they're constantly trying to solve problems, yes, but in ways that actually just cause more problems, and that's effectively what's going on right now. So, that's my life, and uh, amidst all this corona and everything, not being able to go anywhere, you know, I haven't... Uh, been playing in any magic tournaments that's kind of been my bread and butter for the last 25 years i usually play in a tournament or two a week if i can get away you know um, and uh, that's just not been existent so my life's been real weird man you know i get home at you know sometimes the sun is coming up and take a shower and then uh, try and wind down and go to sleep and it feels feels like by the time I get up and get whatever settled in the household that needs to be done, it's time to go to work again. And that's just been uh, the norm for the last three or four months. So, you know, when I say I don't really have time to play games, I, it's because I don't. Um, I, I tried to play Bloodstained. I very much want to play that. Uh, I, I got it downloaded and haven't even been able to play. I did uh, some light play on some games um, uh, that I had already downloaded. Uh, just things that I didn't think would grab me. You know, I, I started playing 2016's version of Hitman, which I like a lot. Have you played that? 2015? No, I haven't played Hitman for a while, since I was in college, back in like 2000. Gotcha. Yeah, these are um, these are real interesting, man. They're more like a, a puzzle than they are uh, like an action game. I mean, you can totally just run and gun. I mean, you have that capability. But it's more like trying to uh, get the right outfit, sneak around, figure out what it is exactly you need. And there are like multiple um, ways to solve the puzzles in, in yeah. question. Um, you know, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff in these games. And I spent a lot of time on the first few levels just trying to do different ways to do things and and sometimes you would set up something it, it would always make me laugh i'd spend you know 30 minutes setting something up and doing all the right stuff and then some asshole notices you like gets suspicious and he ruins the whole thing so you just got to go knife the target real quick and then try and run out you know <laughs> Just, uh, it's, yeah. it's goofy, man. A uh, lot of fun, all kinds of weapons, you know, available for Agent 47 there. I mean, he can use everything from screwdrivers, knives, scissors, you know, ev everything. Anything that you could literally use in real life is just about available to you in the game as a weapon that you can kill someone with, up to including your bare hands. It's it's wild, man, and uh, very, very well voice acted and everything else. Uh, it's a game that, it, you know, I'm not really into killing people obviously but um it's a game if i was into those sort of run and gun shooters and stuff i i feel like i could really get into because it's that plus a lot more but it's never really been my bag which is the reason that i kind of tried to play that to begin with and then i finally james um i downloaded because it was on sale injustice 2 
I think I did. I, oh, good. Did I talk about that last time or no? Um, I think you mentioned you were uh, at some point you wanted to play it. Um, I don't know what medium you talked about it with me on, or if I just heard you talking to someone else about it. Yeah, may, maybe I talked about that on the um, the roundtable, but um, yeah, you would mention on the Team T TMNT episode that uh, yeah. The turtles were in there, and I think at the time, anyway, you thought you only one of them was playable, and uh, discovered you can play all four, and and they're all very different from each other. The but you have to equip a different uh, weapon to be able to play a different turtle. You equip a bow, you play as Donnie, oh. etc. So, and each one has different moves, so they are completely different characters. But in order to select oh, a different one, you have to select a different weapon. Yeah, it's kind of nifty. So I did that. Okay. I leveled the hell out of Harley Quinn. Uh, Caroline and I played that a lot i think we even did a uh, caroline's corner over it so that might even be at the end of this episode if i can find that uh and cool. and you sent me uh another episode as well i believe uh what was that i don't it was um i i think you have resident evil yeah I, okay I, think. I recorded that a long time ago and i'm i'm trying to i'm actually spinning my wheels trying to figure out what the next episode oh that's a great one yeah that that game will forever remind me of brent that was one of his all-time favorite games so the original one not uh not panic at funkatron no, or whatever the sequel is like a side scrolling or not side it's like a uh, it's not nearly as good yeah it's, yeah um i heard the rumors of making like a part three of some sort they they did the, uh they did yeah uh relatively recently i want to say it was a kickstarter or something wasn't it not a yeah, okay, so it did, it did come out. I, was I gonna say, think I so. You know, it's okay. it's a little bit off my radar because as much as I like the game, it's like, I don't know, man. You know, the, I've yeah. I've got such a finite amount of time these days and especially more so these past few months that, um, you know, I just... Any time, like, I'll, I'll see games too. Like, I still go out uh, occasionally. We've got a game store that, despite all this, is staying open. Uh, and I, I didn't go in the first couple months, and then I was like, man, I just want to feel like I'm not just going to work and, uh, and home, you know, because that's basically, I mean, that's all we've been doing. And uh, I don't know how it is there in Cali. I'm sure it's exactly the same i mean california is real good about that sort of thing but uh started going to game stores and buying games again here and there but i'm not playing them so i i went today as a matter of fact james i bought a some game i couldn't even tell you the name of right now but it was a ps4 game that looked interesting uh, i want to say it was called like castle of morte or something like that and i don't remember but it looked really cool and i looked it up it got good reviews uh but while i was there uh, some guy came in without uh, a mask and uh, when they said hey you know it's a $500 fine for us if you don't wear a mask so I'm gonna have to ask you to wear a mask or leave he started spotting you know this is unconstitutional they can't fine you because it's against the whatever amendments and all this shit and he finally did put one on and then the dumbass uh, went around picked up about five or six switch games um, a couple of controllers, and then walked to the counter and said, "Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll also need a switch." And the employee was a lot nicer than I'd be at this point. He said, uh, "Sir, I haven't seen a physical switch since May." He said, "They're selling online for five hundred dollars." Um, yeah. We don't have any in our warehouses. Uh, everyone's buying them up. Well, yeah, when are you gonna? Making them right now. When are you gonna get one in? 
you know, and he's like, I can put your name on a list. He said, and when they start producing them, I can call you. He says, yeah, yeah, do that. And he says, but I'm going to be honest with you, sir. This isn't going to happen for a while, you know. Yeah. So people are real, real dumb. I don't, and I don't know if you get that kind of stuff in uh, Cali, James, but that is prevalent yeah, here. People get violent with this uh you know, not wanting to wear the mask and stuff. It's such a weird hill to die on. You know, even if it isn't particularly, you know, I've got a, a good close friend of mine who's a doctor and knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. And he's very anti-mask um, and says that it actually causes more harm than good. But as far as, you know, it, it could, if it's cloth, it could get moldy and cause respiratory problems and such if you breathe that sort of thing in. And that, uh, you know, these types of masks that everyone are wearing aren't designed to, to you know, and he, he'll concede, you know, it's, it's better than nothing, I think. But that, you know, it's, it's kind of silly. They're not helping a whole lot, in his, in his opinion, anyway. Um, but to me, it's like... Well, they're, they're great for a short burst. I mean, they're, yeah, they're probably not meant to be worn like eight hours straight. No. You know, just... To take a break, you know, go by yourself for 10 minutes, breathe, and then put it back on. I mean, it's good. It's temporary, people, you know. If we all just do it for, you know, 60 days, we'll never have to do it again. The reason why we're still doing it now is because so many people chose not to do it back in, like, May and June. Exactly. And now here we are still fighting this thing entering August, and it's... Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing with me is, like, you know, they thought that the, the temperature would help fight it. They thought, um... You know that it wouldn't. So did I. I thought I thought temperature was going to kill this thing, but no, no. I didn't think it was going to kill it. I, I certainly thought it would help a lot, it, because it does with other viral things. But, um, and and it really it it probably has. It'd probably be a lot worse if it wasn't this time of year. But you look at countries like um, you know New Zealand and China and all these other countries that follow the protocol. Japan, uh, they they virtually no cases, and here we are. You know. So, I, let's not get too political, though. We're going to piss some non-mask wearing. In fact, that guy from GameStop is probably listening. He's just fuming right now. He's Now I know what you look like, Blaine J. I'm going to kick that ass. Yeah, bring it. I, I did tell you, or maybe I mentioned it on the uh, the roundtable, I almost got in a fight over, over uh, political stuff here a few weeks ago. Some guy threatened to kick my butt and stuff. D didn't even know the guy. Don't know his first name. Um, but, yeah, I got so mad about me saying, you know, pointing. He said, you know, something to the effect of he didn't believe there was uh, racism in this country or something. And I said, uh, maybe that's from, from your perspective as an older, privileged white male. You don't see it. Oh, boy, did that set him yeah. off, man. Good God. I mean, this guy was like 50-something maybe. And, I mean, he went off and said he was going to kick my ass. And I was lucky I had my daughter with him and with me, rather, and all this stuff. I'm going, really? Because I'm pretty sure I could take you. I'm, I'm, I'm more than sure I could. I mean, this is an older guy. And he's, he, you know, not at all in shape. Not real big. We probably weigh approximately the same. He was shorter and rounder. And I'm taller. And so... I I don't know. I, these people... Good thing your daughter was there to protect you. Uh, you know, if she hadn't been there, I don't know that I would have <laughs> fought the guy. Maybe the guy would have actually swung. I think he was just blowing smoke, but... Um, oh, yeah. No, he was probably happy your daughter was there. I'm sure he was. But, yeah, no, the dude wouldn't leave, you know. He, tried, he left, and then he came back to yell at me more. He actually got in his yeah. truck, and I was like, all right, bye. We'll see you later. And, you know, five... 
maybe man five minutes later he walks back through the door and you know another thing and i was like good god man really <laughs> yeah i was like no, come no. on this is ridiculous you know because i was hanging out at a comic shop uh I, I practically live at a local comic shop i've been going there for you know 24 years something like that uh real good friends with the owner despite the fact that he is very very right-leaning himself uh we somehow managed to get along even though he's one of the most religious slash right-wing people i've ever met in my life uh we're great friends and i love the guy and uh well, I d- it's good to have a mix of people i mean different ideas or yeah he, he tells me my oh, you know that my ideas are completely moronic despite me being an incredibly intelligent individual and i tell him the exact same thing i say i don't understand how you can believe in any of this gobbledygook when you're obviously an intelligent man and whatever you know but despite those differences somehow we managed to get along and that's really what everyone needs to do you know uh we always somehow managed to get along before before the advent of social media and stuff is just now people feel like that gives them more of a forum to i don't know yell at their friends and family and such and you know and and i felt it too you know before before the modern day i never once um thought you know i knew my mom was like republican but i didn't know how ardently republican because she never talked about that shit growing up she wouldn't you know she wasn't talking about reaganomics in the 80s she you know and same with religion she was never pushed religion on any of us kids and when when she heard my views oh she flipped her lid and i was like are you kidding me you know i always assumed you just weren't religious because we never unless she was with a man that was forcing us to go to church you know the times uh-huh. in our lives where um she was raising my sister and i alone we never attended church you know so i just assumed she wasn't religious and but anyway way off track sorry people what you're listening to despite what you're hearing isn't the blaine J. complain hour um <laughs> political views and whatnot uh i'm sorry it's just so, it's just so prevalent in my life right now james i don't know what else to talk about you know what do you, you know, someday people 200 years from now will listen back at this podcast and there'll be a primary source of what was going on and someone's going to write a paper. It could be. About all this. You and know, they're going to reference <laughs> what you said. It would be very strange yes. if, like, some distant relative of, of ours, you know, either your, you know, great grandchildren of one or the other, uh, went back yeah. and listened to this, you know, archivally and, and was like, oh, wow, grandpa was into this or whatever. And, and, you know, maybe time will tell. Maybe I'll be on the wrong side of history and they'll be be like, I'm ashamed to be the great-grandson of Blaine J. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Who had no religion. Yeah, or whatever, you know. When Jesus showed up. He <laughs> said he didn't believe. <laughs> I mean, it, there, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I won't rule it out. Maybe. I won't rule it out, you know. I, I like the... I like the Family Guy, uh, you know, look on it, the, that episode where uh, I think it's Brian goes to heaven or maybe it's Stewie and everyone's in a black tie and white t-shirt or white, uh, you know, button down. And he's like, the Mormons? And he's like, yep, turns out the Mormons, they were the ones right all along. And it's like, okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, when you really break down religion and you think about how many different sects there are, just within Christianity, there's like 3,000 yeah, yeah. plus different. It's like, which one of them is going to be right, you know? Was it, was it, uh, you know, the Elysian Fields all along? Should I have been worshipping Thor? Uh, 
that's that's maybe who knows cool. oh, that would be awesome are you kidding me if thor showed up tomorrow oh my god helios yeah that one's so easily debunked you know most of those gods so but they're they're definitely they they had a swagger that uh yahweh or whatever uh does not have they're just so much cooler i mean the god of lightning you know thunder and lightning i mean he's a freaking marvel avenger you know mm-hmm. anyway so it's hercules by the by or was Her- hercules uh was he he was marvel but uh but i don't know if he ever joined uh the avengers and maybe he was both marvel and dc i don't know I mean, I don't think either side could truly own him, so he probably could have. Yeah, exactly. He, he'd. Uh, I don't think he was part of any like major story. Yeah, all all the Greek gods are up for grabs. You can use them in any kind of storyline you want. You know, whatever. Yeah. I, I have noticed another phenomenon. I, I I don't. I hate to just like keep talking. I, I'm just trying to fill air. But uh, with magic, you know, the gathering, uh, right before this all hit, I was getting, you know, like 20 plus people a week to show up to these tournaments. And they tried to open tournaments back up recently and no one was showing. It was like me and another guy, you know, and, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so just went home, you know, tail between our legs kind of thing. And we've had so many people in the forums that I follow locally that are selling their collections and such um yeah they're just like i'm done and people i thought would have never quit uh selling their stuff and they're gone you know uh people that yeah spent tens of thousands you know and i i look at all the stuff i have and i know it's approximate value and you know i think the same thing i think you know what's the point if i can't play with these things why do i have them but uh hopefully Hopefully this picks back up after this all blows over eventually and we are able to do the gathering part of magic again because right now uh, paper magic is in a bad way in a lot of ways, at least uh, tournament-wise. People are still keeping it alive and the card value hasn't dipped because people are still very much playing with each other, um, you know, like with friends and stuff. It's always been... uh, more boistered by the casual player than the um, spikes like myself but anyway but yeah it, it it does make you think it's like well you know what's the point if there's nowhere to play why don't i just get this money out of these while i can and uh maybe buy some of these games that you know i've been looking at which man i was looking at some of these games and stuff we've said it a million times this is is it worth it the podcast where we talk about expensive shit you know or used to be but man james i was looking at some of this stuff uh games that were like worth two hundred dollars a few years ago or in the thousand dollar range now you know my sega cd collection is like tripled in price um which made me think maybe i should be selling this shit right now uh because all that stuff is wackadoo prices right now like like i mentioned earlier the switch is um through the roof uh so are virtually staying home yeah. playing games I guess. and when they can't get what they want they're just buying anything else they can get you know you go to these game stores and stuff and they're sold out of virtually everything my local one the only thing they have left are uh playstation ones and game cubes and wii's they had some wii's wow. so you can't get a super nintendo you can't get a ps3 you know ps3s are selling for 200 dollars right now a ps3 
Um, Holy God. Which is, you know, that's approximately what they sold for, you know, at the end of their lifetime. And they're, they're selling for that right now. So even 360s are like uh, 150 bucks. Uh, the Xbox One, which was like 120 um, is all the way up to like more uh, 200-ish level. So it's, it's real bad time right now to be collecting games because everything is just infinite money. Uh, you can still find deals. Time to sell. <sighs> yeah. Nah, me either. I mean, yeah, so um, I've been talking your ear off about everything from politics to games. Is there any uh, games you've been playing lately, James? I haven't been playing. I mean, I played the crap out of Portrait of Ruin. Yeah. And I, I got to a certain point, and then we decided. I, mean, I, I played, God, I put 12, 13, 14 hours into this thing. <laughs> Good God, well, tell me all oh, about well, it. Well, I was just going to say, my quick update, I haven't been playing really anything. I've just been, I've been going a lot of runs. I ran, in the month of July, 100 miles. Over. Oh, wow. It's five miles a day for the last four weeks. Good God. Um, so, I just, I, I take my boys, I put them in a running stroller, and I just run, and I listen to books on tape. I've also, during, like, this summer, I've read, like, something like 15, 20 books. I've oh, listened nice. to about 10, and I've read physical getting a lot of that stuff done you know I, th- I thought like oh my god I'm just stuck at home all day I'm gonna play video games non-stop but uh, these boys they kind of monopolize it so <laughs> I have my earbuds I'm just trying to stay uh, yeah Portrait of Ruin um, I think the, where, where I'm gonna start just I'm gonna compare this a lot to Symphony of the Night oh yeah and what I'm gonna say is it does some things like a little bit better and it does a lot of things just not so great which is like the theme of like the game it's like stuff that's really good and there's stuff that's just you know they got so close and they missed right it was it was the last of that genre and wasn't it farmed out to like some like almost non-capcom team portions of it or something i i I, konami oh konami that's what i meant konami published uh, yeah no konami was part of that yeah, I thought it was one of those deals where it was like, yeah, it was Konami, but someone else did a large portion of it. They farmed out a lot of it. Kind of like um, like the Zeldas for the Game Boy were all Capcom games, but they don't say Capcom on them, to my knowledge. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Same thing with like the Batman Arkham games. Like the three Arkham games in the series, but then there's the other offshoot Arkham. Yeah, it's... I thought it was something like that. I could be wrong, but I know it's uh, of the Castlevania, you know, I guess Metroidvanias um, type games. It's usually uh, stated that that's the worst one. Um, this one? Yeah, Portrait of Ruin is usually... Really? Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I mean, ultimately, skip to the end here, like, I liked it a lot. Like I. Oh, yeah. And I put... I put Symphony of the Night on such a high pedestal. Oh, of like, course. Like, I never think anything, anything would get close. This, you know, this gets close. I mean, it's, it's not as good, but I do, I did find, like, this guy put together the top ten uh, Castlevania games. Maybe we can close out the show and we'll kind of reset. Well, sure. One of them. Huh. There's one game I haven't played that's there. But anyways, Portrait of Ruin. Tell us about it. Tell me. Well, uh, last time I played it, it's been a while. Uh, it has its whole shtick that keeps it apart from the other um, Castlevanias is there are like literal portraits that you can enter and exit as like mm-hmm. warp zone type areas and that's about the extent of what really I remember. Cool. It is a neat gimmick. Like, it's a neat gimmick and it's probably like you know something Symphony of the Night could have lent you know could have had kind of jump into other areas 
Um, I did think like this, the castle that they had here wasn't that great. It was just yeah. kind of like hard to maneuver through. Symphony of the Night, like oftentimes I wouldn't use the warps because it was so fun just to like, you know, plow through and... Until it flipped upside down and then it felt like... And then it got a little harder, yeah. yeah. But it was still fun. Like this game, like I was like, it was like a slog to get anywhere. Yeah. Like, even in the portraits, I was like, it just doesn't flow right. But it, I like the, the different areas. Yeah, it's like a solid 7.5, 8 out of 10. Like, I don't want people to come away with you know, thinking that it's, like, a bad game because it's still a fantastic fucking game. Um, but as far as these type of games, for me, uh, like, I, I think Symphony Night is, is really hard to beat because it, it did what you want. You know, a lot of people when you hear complaints about it they complain that like you can too easily become overpowered and that's part of the fun yeah you know for me is yeah. like i want to break the game over my knee and be like godlike you know that's part of the fun and you don't have to play it that way um just because it's available to you you know i don't have to use cheat codes on older games just because they're available um play it however you want and a lot of people don't seem to grasp that but as far as games of that nature um, in the Castlevania series, Symphony Knight's probably always going to be number one to me. And number two is probably Order of Ecclesia. That, I don't know if you played that one, James. Um, no. It is, speaking, speaking of games that are stupid expensive right now, I think it's like 70, 80 bucks for a loose cart right now. Yeah, and it shouldn't be anywhere close to that. I mean, this whole... This whole bullshit is just outrageous. But it in it, you don't play as one of the Belmont clan. You play as uh, this a female who's uh, in, yeah. in the Order of Ecclesia, and she does, like, glyphs, and she can learn new magic spells and stuff. It's really cool, you know, uh, different spin on the whole series. And then outside of that, of the other ones that are all for the GBA, I like, uh, I think, Aria of Sorrow is probably the best of those. Uh, Circle of the Moon is also yeah. often... Um, cited as being one of the worst ones of that type um, alongside Portrait of Ruin. Uh, but really, any of them that you can find and play are friggin' amazing. I think the other one is Harmony of Dissonance, if I remember right. Um, all great games. All of them. And I was supposed to play Bloodstained, what, two months ago now? And I've still literally got it sitting on top of my shit here, you know, ready to go. And I never I never got past the uh, title screen. Um and it's, I'm on my PlayStation 4 every day, you know, but uh, when we do play games in the house, it's usually for Caroline's benefit, or it's something that she can uh, get into. I was a little worried that Bloodstained might have some kind of depictions that uh, weren't appropriate for her one way or another. Blood and gore is marked on it. Uh, it is a T for teen title, which, you know, you're talking about a little girl that watches horror movies, loves them to death. So we've been watching a lot of cheesy um 80s and 90s horror movies lately uh have, have you ever gotten on tubi t-u-b-i it's a free i have yeah yeah we, we found all sorts of free like um video services now mm -hmm. that you know we're home and i just like i search it through amazon then it's it'll say like want to pay three dollars or find more ways to watch and i hit more ways to watch and it's like watch for free with ads with imdb or yeah, Tubi or, yeah there's a few right right and CBS. 
Absolutely, absolutely love that service. You know, like we're a product of an age where commercials were a way of life. We're just used to them. You know, they never have yeah. bothered me particularly much. And um, it bothered me the first like two or three times I watched a film on Tubi. And then you just get in the swing of it and you just you get used to it again. It's not a big deal. It's less than five minutes out of your time total to watch a two hour flick. It's like whatever. Um, but yeah. but yeah, we watched like the ice cream man which is one of my all-time favorites because it, it stars uh clint howard who uh, no one should know who clint howard is i guess i mean he's been around for literal ever he was uh you ever watched the original star trek oh yeah yeah there's an episode where people age backwards and the person who is the oldest i.e youngest is the emperor and it's played by Benjamin Button. yeah and it's played by this little boy well, that was a young Clint Howard in the original Star Trek, um, and he is the uh, young, I want to say, old, no, he's the older brother of Ron Howard, who is, you know, famous director and um, yeah. movie star of bygone days. You know, he was Opie and and uh, Richie, Richie Cunningham, Cunningham. yeah, which, uh, you know, Clint Howard starred in a lot of those, too, and was on a, a episode of Seinfeld where he played a killer that uh, notoriously tipped big. I don't know if you remember that episode, but <laughs> he was in that. But he, he finally he had a starring role in a film where he played a guy that went crazy um, and drove an ice cream truck and was like making ice cream out of the local kids and stuff. Oh, and uh, I remember that. That, that familiar. it's goofy as all get out. And Caroline was all kinds of into it up till the point in which they uh, the ice cream man used a dog to like make ice cream. She was not down with that. Uh, she does not like the hurting of animals in any way, shape, or form. That you, is a classic mistake. Yeah. I don't know who people make. Like, I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. Great movie. I'll never watch it again. Yeah, right? And not, 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 yeah. On that one, not just because of the damn uh, dog, which was just like, but why? Uh, they, they completely changed the ending of that film uh, for the third time. Uh the original, I don't know if you're aware, but the original book, uh, which was written in the 60s, I want to say, has been adapted to film like three times at this point, right? And the whole point of that film, I Am Legend, is the twist on the ending of the film. Um, are you aware of this? You want me to explain? Or? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, James obviously knows. But um, to those that don't... Uh, the whole premise of the movie is you got this guy that is somehow immune to this disease that is turning everyone into vampires. And then he meets this girl uh, who at first he believes is also not a vampire, also immune. But then he learns that it was just actually the vampires uh, putting her uh, forth into his home to um, learn about him because the vampires are as scared of him as he is of them because to him he is the legendary creature that shouldn't exist and when he comes to that revelation at the end of the novel he takes his own life he realizes humanity is dead he is the last vestige of it and the new norm is now to be these vampiric creatures that only come out at night um in, in the movie they're just like no we can't have it they, they originally had scripted the movie to end that way and they're like ah oh, we can't have it end on such a down note even though that's a profound revelation and the movie i am the the whole title i am legend isn't to indicate that he's like really really good at basketball or something uh it's to say that you know he is the last of his kind and that 
the other sentient living beings on Earth at this point are whispering about, did you know there's someone that can actually walk during the daylight and that doesn't, you know, feed off of these type of things and doesn't look like us and so on and so forth, or doesn't look completely like us. Um, yeah, so that was the whole deal with that film. Sorry to go off on a tirade. Also, you know, Will Smith, he's a cool guy. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah, recently the... Right, wanna... Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, you want to get back to Portrait of Ruin? Go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, 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 I didn't have anything. I was just going to say, he's recently in the news again because uh, Jada came finally came forward and uh, confirmed that this guy that's been saying that they had been dating for years, uh, you know, it's that she finally confirmed that, yeah, she's been dating him for years and Will gave him their blessing. And it's always been rumored that they had an open relationship anyway, so it's not... I don't know why people are freaking out about it, but, yeah, so they have an open relationship, whatever. You have... If you really, really want to get in Jada's pants, I guess you have that opportunity. So, I don't know. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw it all over my Twitter feed the other day, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, cool, I guess. This is what we're worried about right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. They got a lot of criticism because people were so into that story. It's like, hey, everyone, like, we still got a pandemic. We still got Black Lives Matter. We still got other issues. And so, Actual serious things, like some of the most serious, yeah. you know. The reason I'm so somber lately is because of, you know, the fact that all this is ridiculous right now. And it's, uh, it's, it's really disheartening, and it's hard to, uh, you know, do anything some days and uh i get mad over stuff that i shouldn't get mad about um but anyway completely off topic um yeah i don't mean like things that it with my family life i mean i'll see a tweet like someone will be complaining about something completely innocuous or whatever off base and um and i'll be like why are you what what does that matter in the grand scheme of things it's like you know if a building was on fire and you're complaining that your shoes untied or you know it's like just get out you know, the, let's take care of the, the big shit first and worry about all this other bullshit later. But we as a country are so ingrained into thinking that these bullshit stories are the big stories that that's what everyone's worried about. You know, they're not worried about... Anyway, people are dumb. Let's just leave it at that. RPGs are awesome. <laughs> RPGs are awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Portrait of Ruin. Go ahead and tell me more about it, James. <laughs> It's a direct sequel to Castlevania Bloodlines, if anyone's played Bloodlines. The only game released for, or only Castlevania game released for the Sega Genesis. True. That I can, that I know of. No, it um, is. You actually, you actually play as, uh, the main character in that was John Morris, I believe, and you play as his son, Jonathan. Oh, really? And the whole time, like, Jonathan, and you have your partner, Charlotte, you know, you got the two players, you switch back and forth. And Jonathan, like, just so complaining so much that the first half the game about, oh, I can't use my whip, or, oh, my whip sucks. And, it, like, at first I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to go. Um, but he, I guess, and maybe the directors figured that out, too, and he, like, he calms down after a while, uh, which is nice. Uh, this game, I, like, again, separating it from... Uh, Symphony of the Night, like, there's more of a storyline to this game. There's more oper there's more instances where just, like, these two characters talk to one another, or there's other characters roaming around the castle. There's these two sisters, Stella and Loretta, and they're, like, they're vampires also, and you, you interact with them, you interact with Bra uh, Browner. He's, uh... <laughs> 
Sorry. Sorry to giggle there. No, I mean, his name might be Browner, but I don't remember that. Bro Bronner. Bronner, okay. Bronner. Like, Browner sounds like something you do when you've ate too much Taco Bell. Um. Oh, yeah. I, I take a Browner every morning. Um, <laughs> and there's Dracula, of course. And you also have this, uh, um, this character named Wind, hmm. who you later find out, I guess, is... Uh, but Wind has all these quests for you. So when you're like playing through the game, like you can you can take on I think up to five of his quests, and it's anything from like find this creature and kill it, or find this like artifact, or find this like just part of a level and stand there for a moment, or have this much HP or this much strength, and he gives you like artifacts or he gives you a HP boost. Really, how I like progressed through this game right. is I like completed a lot of his quests just to upgrade my character because the level up yeah um let's see what else can we say oh the the um the equipment in the, like you know most rpgs you get like you know your bronze your silver your gold your diamond your platinum so it's like you always are progressing to the next best thing in this game like you know you have everything has its pluses and minuses something might have really good strength but really shitty defense this might have really good intelligence but it takes away all your luck so it's you know, everyone, no one's going to have the same equipment, you know, no matter what. If you have, like, five friends all playing this game, you're all going to have different stuff. And the weapons that Jonathan can use, I know we said it, it's all whips, but there's a whole bunch of different weapons from, like, you know, regular one-handed swords, two-handed swords, axes. Yeah. You know, of course, the whips, the daggers, and there's just all sorts of stuff. Um, and it's just based on your play style, what you want to play with. Uh, the secondary weapons... They're, it's not you don't just pick them up like you do in uh, Symphony of the Night. It's something you actually have to find and equip. And if you use it enough, um, it'll actually level up and become even a random growing one knife at a time to something I think it was you know, two or three at a time. Like for sure. Um, I play Jonathan the most. Uh, Charlotte on the now on her end, she is a wizard basically. Mm -hmm. So her big thing is casting spells. She has an attack where she has, I don't know, the one I use, she like has books. She like, it, it's just basically a short ranged uh, attack, and but she has all of her magic, like I said. And there is some magic, I guess you can use, oops, excuse me, I'm like, um, where they, they like, they double up and cast some mm -hmm. big, uh, level or screen. Destroying thing, yeah, I remember that. Destroying thing. Um, I use one, I think it was called like a hundred... Jonathan would just throw a hundred at them. Yeah, and she's like spinning around with a book. Yeah, she'd stand back. But yeah, this game is. It, I, I liked it. I liked. I took oh, me a while yeah. to get used to the mechanic of switching back and forth. It took me a while to get used to like how to use them. You can have them both out there fighting at the same time, or you can ship her away. Um, when he's down, or either when you're playing with the character and you get hit, it takes away your HP. If your other character gets hit, it takes away your magic power. Right. So, if your other character's getting hurt too much, suddenly you can't, like... And your magic power is also your, you know, your secondary weapon for Jonathan. So mm -hmm. if you have no magic, you can't throw knives or throw axes. You know, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like the... I did beat... You beat it? Go ahead. I beat this game... I beat, like, the equivalent of beating the first castle in Symphony of the Night. Mm -hmm. um, so I got, like, the crappy ending. Then I realized there's more to play. So I played it again, and I got all the way to the last boss. And then, like, I just... I tried and tried and tried, and I was like... I looked at a video of how to beat it, and I was like, there is no way. Like, I could try for the <laughs> practice, have a coach, and there's no way I could. Oh, I'm sure you get it. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. But a lot of these bosses, like, that's one thing it does a little bit better in Symphony of the Night. I thought Symphony, like, a little too easy. Like, you could just... Uh, again, I mean, uh, that was the... God mode. Mm -hmm. 
you, or you could you cast that spell where you just take the the you know enemies or bosses life and it cures you mm -hmm. like that's it's kind of a cheat this game doesn't allow that this game you can like buy potions uh for like two thousand dollars a pop and it's tough to you know gain that kind of money sure but that's what i had to do sometimes just like buy like three or four potions go into a end boss and just like, kill them and take damage and cure myself and then get through it right yeah it like, like you said it it's a little more of a slog which is what and it's not it's not to say it makes it bad it's just that um there is more of that you have to prepare you don't feel quite as much like a badass and stuff and some people would say that makes it a better game um it doesn't make it more fun though like in your hands the reason symphony night feels so fun is because once you get that god tier power mode you know if you if you go that route there's nothing that can beat you in the game you can run around with the whatever shield and the oh gosh the mace the shield mace or whatever it's called and and you know nothing will ever damage you again in the game you can just defeat the entirety of the game using only that really and never have to worry about anything and this isn't that type of game and, and a lot of the other castlevanias of this genre aren't either like order of ecclesia is a hard game i just like the way they implemented everything about that game a little better um Portrait of Ruin certainly isn't a bad game, though. I'd recommend it to anyone. I can't even tell you what it's worth right now. Normally, we do the whole, you know, is it worth the price it commands. I can almost bet that it's not right now. It was relatively cheap. As far as, uh, you know, Castlevania games of this genre go, um, it was the cheapest one for a long, long time. Uh, which, if it's the... It could be... $50 right now and still be the cheapest one and I'm gonna guess that's probably the approximate of where its price is right now because everything is inflated DS included um, Yeah, it's just nuts and it's Very likely to be the last one of the Castlevania games to come out in, in Maybe period uh, but definitely of this genre um, You know they released the two Lords of Shadow games and Castlevania Judgment for the Wii after this or right around the same time and all those games are ass. Um, I wouldn't play any of them. Uh, although the first... It's got to be a, two, it's gotta be a, a 2D game. They, they haven't figured they, out the DS. The only one... You, you know, you say that, but the, the second one on the PS2 was actually a good game. Uh, I managed to get through that. I don't remember what it's... Is it Lament of Innocence? I don't... I played the ones for 64. Those are outrageously bad. And I've been told that they're actually... Like, the Lord of Darkness and Castlevania 64 are actually the same game. They just start at different points in the in the game or something. I I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about them to care. I... I couldn't play them long enough to figure that out. I tried to play uh, the hell out of in the N64 original one when it came out or shortly thereafter. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time on it because uh, I loved Castlevania so much. I just wanted it. I was trying to will it to be good. <laughs> it's just not. It's like a lot. There, it does have defenders. Uh, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that will say no. It's actually a good game and whatever. And I'll I'll concede it's designed very well. Um, you know, uh, as far as the level design and stuff like that, everything is like well thought out. But it just plays poorly because of the 3D environment wasn't well realized you know camera angles all that stuff it really the only character of the two that are uh, playable 
that you can play as is the girl because at least her magic heat seeks whereas the uh, belmont yeah. that whip is just crazy looking and it's hard to do anything with you know just utter trash uh but you mentioned you know bloodlines earlier and uh, that's probably my personal favorite uh 2d just original style castlevania game that or castlevania 3 uh, i love uh, super castlevania a lot as well um and let's segue into the this this hat this ranks all 33 castlevania games oh my gosh at the very bottom castlevania adventure excuse me this is this is polygon i've, I've seen a few i i don't well, I'll read this the top ten of this one no no i just check necessarily agree the but. the very very last one is it Castlevania Adventure for the Game Boy? Uh, number 36 is... I don't even think it's a Castlevania game. C.R. Pachinko. <laughs> yeah, Japan-only arcade amusement. The, the, the Pachinko a, a machine. Castlevania puzzle, Encore of the Night. I actually played that for a while. I've never even heard of that. Like, That's wild. It's, it's like... It's like... I don't know. Gems or jewels. I don't know. Candy Crush, but Castlevania. Right on. Order of Sha- Castlevania Order of Shadows Mobile 2007. I'm reading just the worst one. Wow. Arcu- uh, hang on. Haunted Castle. Okay, yeah. Castle- number 31, Castlevania, The Adventure. Okay. Like the- okay, we'll go to the top 10, though. Sure, um, sure. Top 10. Number 10 is Portrait of Ruin. There it is. Really? Game of- yeah. I'll be damned. Weird, so, weird list. We made the top 10. Number 9, Bloodlines. Oh, there you go. Very good. The prequel, Bloodlines during World War One. Uh, Love that game. I mean, the the zombies wearing the World War One helmets and that thing, the blood and gore for the for the time period. Oh man, that the fact great. that that you could play two pl- different playable characters and each one would lead to different paths. Um, just so many well thought out things, you know. And then the the tricks they did to get the huge sprites to be able to move and look the way they did on the Genesis because it didn't have that Mode Seven. Just incredible stuff, man. Like, I, I would recommend that title to anybody. Just a really brilliant game. And it's a shame that uh, it, it wasn't released to the public earlier than, you know, this most recent, uh, what was it, uh, the Genesis Collection that just came out recently. Um, yeah, before that, it hadn't been re-released in, like, whatever it was, 25 years or whatever. Just ridiculous. Yeah. I think I have a repro, a repro copy somewhere. Oh, it's a reproduction great game um it is uh number eight castlevania nes oh just the og huh the og what's, eight. what's funny about that one is it was it was made when they still thought that people gave a fuck about things like points right um yeah. we don't uh, that was an arcade no. thing, you know. Everybody, the arcade life, everybody cared about points in the like seventies and eighties. Like, yeah. yeah. Late 80s or so 90s. a lot of these early eighties games, they designed them with a point system in mind, thinking that people are going to give a flying fuck about it. And the original yeah. Castlevania has not only a point system like most of the early ones do, but it has like invisible items that you have to go out of your way and like duck in a certain area, you know, or you'll like whip out a wall and you will be like, there's nothing in there. But if you walk in that area that you whipped out, like a crown will appear and that's worth 10,000 points if you grab it before it disappears and shit like that. And it's, it's real goofy and it was more uh, movie tropes, you know, it followed the whole universal movie monster type thing and yeah it was cool it was really cool yeah i loved it even the beginning opening sequence uh, you've you've got those scrolling uh 
on the bottom of the top there it's supposed to be a film yeah so really cool yeah it was really cool i played i played part three more oh yeah because you had like the branching and you could like multiple characters and but yeah uh, they were really close to being the same. They looked like the same game. Like if you walked into a room, you, you wouldn't be able to see uh, Yeah, as long as you're playing as Trevor, then yeah. But if the yeah. first time you see Sypha or Alucard or uh, Grant Dynasty, I know it's Dynasty, um, still pissed off they didn't put him in the show. But anyway, proceed. He's coming, don't worry. I don't think he is, man. What was it, number, number eight, number seven? Number seven, Dawn of Sorrow, which is uh, on my list. Of- yeah, that's a good one, too. We have Castle number six, Castlevania Chronicles. Really? Uh, which looks just like the original, but just like redone. Yeah, that was for the uh, PlayStation 1. Um, I don't agree with that in the slightest. Neither do I. Um, no. Number five, Order of... Ecclesia. That's, that was, that's your game, right? That's that, It looks beautiful. Oh, it's a gorgeous game, yeah. Um... I wouldn't say it's my game. I'm like my personal favorite Castlevania game will be Symphony of the Night. Um, well, number number four, Castlevania three, Dracula's Curse. That's up there for me too. Love that one. You know, here we go. This is what's gonna blow your mind. Number three, Symphony of the Night. Weird. Like I've read a lot that put this one number one. Of course. Sure. Sure. Nope. Sure. Eh, doesn't anger me. I mean, everyone's a, <laughs> entitled to their own opinion. Um, when you hit number one, you If it's Lord of the Shadow, I, this is the last podcast we're doing. No. <laughs> no. Number two, Aria of Sorrow. That's a great one. Game Boy Advance 2003. Is that the one that takes place in the future? Like Alu- Alucard's like a CEO of a company. There's one. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. That's that's the one that's like worth infinite if you have it boxed complete. And I haven't revisited because I'm worried I'd destroy my box. You know, just trying to play it. Um, yeah, no, it's it is Alucard. Uh, he, God, you know, it's just so hard for me to keep them separate at this point that I I don't want to definitively say if. There's d- one of them has that. One of them takes place in the future, and Alucard, the, like the big unveiling is like new company and stuff. It's Alucard, and then it's the end. It's like him, and he's like CEO of some Fortune 500. I don't think. Number one, think you that's ready true. for this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Number one's a good game, but it's Dracula X Rondo of Blood. Yeah, that doesn't and make any sense to me. The reason why it's like it's tough to put this at number one is like it came out for like the PC engine, so it was a game that like just not everyone had asked to it. Right. I'm not even sure it even came to the United States. At the time, it it didn't. Um, it was yeah PC engine. I think it also came out on um. No, I'm thinking of uh, Symphony Night. But yeah, it was on PC Engine, and then yeah, Dracula X came out over here, which wasn't quite the same game for the Super Nintendo, but it was the same yeah. aesthetic. And then I think they finally released it on the PSP, uh, Rondo of Blood, that is. And it, again, it, Yes, I, I have that collection, and it comes to Symphony of the Night, Rondo of Blood, and I think... And it's okay. You know, it's it's a really... I, I just, number one, like a game that you know, not many, not everyone could play. It's not on, like, a... It's gorgeous. You know, a system that anyone's going to play. It sounds beautiful. You know, it has incredible sound, really amazing level design, everything. I mean, it, it deserves a spot in the top ten, but I, I don't... Hmm. Well, no. Kid Dracula's number 16. Just, just hurt my head. No. Just imagine there's, you know, <laughs> 30 games, 20 games. Kid Dracula. Kid Dracula. <laughs> Fucking. 
22 is Simon's Quest, and it's like, yeah, Simon's Quest had a lot of problems, but they also, like, yeah. tried a lot of things, that they, <laughs> and they failed a lot. I, I, I put Simon Quest right around middle of the road. I mean, it, 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 was, it had a lot of problems, but it also had a lot of merits in that if it wasn't for Simon's Quest, we wouldn't be talking about Portrait of Ruin, because that's what started the whole thing you know was simon's quest was the og a lot of people credit symphony and night that was the first good one um simon's yes. quest was the first one to try a lot of this stuff where you know you had equipable items and you went to different castles to get different things and you know it, and i don't think i have talked about a game more like you know and on a playground at, at school oh sure at simon's quest like people just like you know the, well you had to had power <laughs> and those that didn't and we would just yeah. Share. Same with Zelda, the original Zelda. Like we would. Just, oh yeah. Like, burn that bush. Oh okay. Draw me a picture on this. You know. Show me where it is. And we God, that that was like. Yeah, you've got to you, you got to kneel where to make a tornado do what, and you have to equip the red yeah, jewel and holding the red orb. But oh. why? You know that makes no. Well, there's a guy, or there's a there's a piece of text that tells you, you know, this really cryptically worded thing that you're yeah. supposed to derive this from. And I mean, it was a. <laughs> It was really bad. The translation was bad to begin with, but then they also yeah. thought it would be funny if, or not funny, but interesting if they made townspeople actually just boldface lie to you, which was just a huge mistake. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes for an interesting game if they could show you any indication that that person was lying. The NES is completely incapable of that. You know, you can't see a character portrait that looks shifty as opposed to, you know, or anything of that nature. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. And then they had all the, uh, like, the, the, the false floors. You had, like, I mean, here, yeah, exactly. Uh, holy water block. But, uh, the, you know, they, they had trouble doing facial recognition stuff with L.A. Noir. They definitely weren't going to pull off something like that with... Yeah. No. You know, because half the time in that game, I you're guess. like, oh, this guy's mad as hell, and no, he's not. But anyway. Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, Castlevania Dracula X, the one for Super Nintendo you talked about, that got number 29. Yeah, that one is just tough as fucking nails. It's one of two games that I regret uh, not buying from uh, the EGT that I basically lived at in my, out of, in my childhood. Uh, because Bob, the owner, would constantly try and push games on to me because he knew that I would buy a lot of crap um, that were uh, not renting or not selling. And he he put, tried to get me to buy Dracula X. He's, oh, you love Castlevania, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you should buy this one. I don't really like it. I'll give it to you half price, which at the time was like maybe 10 bucks or something. <laughs> and, you know, of yeah. course, it's like a $300 game now. And then... Uh, Hagane was the other one, and that one hurts more because he was like, I'll give it to you for 10 bucks or whatever, and I'll give you the box and the manual and all that. And I was like, Well, let me play it for a minute because I'd never played it. And I was like, Yeah, this game is just really hard, and I'm not really into it. And he was like, oh, Come on, man, I'll give you a sweet deal. Nah, I'm good. And you know, to find a boxed Hagane now would, you know, you could buy a car easier. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. That game was cheap forever, too. About seven, eight years ago, it went from being a $20 game to being like a $1,000 game. Really ridiculous. But that's uh, that's collecting 101 for you. Uh, sometimes you don't know what it is that the collecting market is suddenly going to decide is just worth infinite, but there you go. Right now, it's uh, first editions and sealed stuff is what people are going gaga over because the 
comic collecting crowd has uh, been due to a company called Awada Games. They've been um, getting into collecting for video games, but they don't know anything about it. And they're trying to collect for it in the same way that you would a comic, in that a first edition is more desirable than not, or whatever. Um, in video games, we don't care about that as much. Or Classically, we didn't care whether or not it was one version over another um, unless there was something really weird about the secondary version or if one version was incredibly rarer than another version but first edition never really came into our minds because you almost have to open the game up to figure that out or see some obscure number on a box that no one gives a fuck about but that's what's going on right now and uh, it's really sad if you follow this James I don't know if you are but um, they've been buying a lot of Atari games um, off of these old sellers that have been trying to sell their old, their new old stock for Atari for like the past 30 years. They're buying them, you know, $20 for a sealed Spider-Man, and then they turn around and sell it to these comic collectors for $6,000 sealed. And, and then the next one they sell, they're like, oh, we found another one, and it sells for 4000 And then, oh, and we found another one. Meanwhile, this guy got a case of them. He's like, okay, I guess I'll sell you another one or whatever, <laughs> for 40 bucks. Yeah. And they're starting to catch on, and they're putting their stuff online now. So right now, eBay is nuts with all these like old Atari sealed games that people are asking for you know hundreds, if not thousands, for. And... Five, six months ago, they didn't even command, you know, $30, $40 for a lot of these games. Really sad stuff, you know, <laughs> because these... Just wait, everybody. As soon as this pandemic's over, people are just going to f- just leave their homes for days or weeks or months at a time. And anything that has to be played, you know, at home, the prices will just fall. And that's when you can start buying things. Hopefully. Right now, while everyone's locked up, you know, it's... Right it's, now... It's you can do. PlayStation is fire. If you're a PlayStation collector, now is not the time to collect. Same with Saturn. Prices are freaking through the roof. It is unreasonable. Because I actually had the thought. I was like, uh, maybe I'll sell some of my Magic stuff and finally get uh, Magic Knight, Ray Earth, and um, Albert Odyssey. And I looked up Magic Knight, Ray Earth, and the cheapest one I found was 1200 And he has a game that was $250 last year. Um yeah. I was like, there's just no way. I'm, I, I will probably, if that price persists, I will probably never own a copy. Um, and it's not that great a game. It's just I really like working designs. I eventually would like to have every working designs release, but not at that price. Um, you know, I, right now I'm sitting at like all but four or five of their releases, and they're all expensive at this point. And it's like, nah. You sent me one, James, uh, Dragon Force. Um, That's a game I want. I would love to review with you. Redo at some point. I would love to as well. What what I really want to do is get uh, a working copy of Dragon Force Two because they make them and get a modded Saturn for both you and I and be able to play through a lot of these cool modded uh, translated games. Oh, do you? I don't want to mod my Saturn because I. So you own a, a like an Etsy made part two. 
Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was like, I don't know, it was like 10 or, 10 or 20. It didn't work. Sorry, I'm not gonna... You can also do what is known as the swap trick to try and get that to work, I think. Um, where... I read about that. Yeah. Put it in, you take it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, not recommended, the, uh, but... Security. No. It's whatever. But yeah, I, I'm loath to do any of those things. The last time I hooked my Saturn up, it barely read discs to begin with, so I need to get like a refurbished Saturn soon. It's another thing I keep thinking is like one of these days I'm going to send in all my broken systems to just someone and be like, hey, if you can just fix this one, this one, and this one for me, you can have all of them because I've just got piles of broken stuff at this point. And I keep thinking, one of these days I'm going to learn how to do this and this, and I just never find or have time. So I'm just sitting on a pile of rubbish at this point. But I have fixed some of it, but some very small amounts where, you know, it doesn't require soldering. Ah, yeah, those are two of the two of the easiest things to work on. So there you go. Yeah, Genesis is what a lot of people suggest if you get into soldering video game boards. That's the one that you should do first because it's so wide open and easy to work on. But anyway, I've been talking your head off. Hopefully, you guys get something out of this episode. Um, you know, James and I, we didn't like James is came prepared uh i have had portrait of ruin and a ds in my bag to play at work for two months now and i don't think i played more than 10 minutes um that's on me i'm always at work especially in this heat i'm just like i don't want to do anything but drink water you and save lay back. me a few times on games i'll save you on one <laughs> well it's all good man what do you want to do next May- I, have, I have three options. Okay, you wanna you wanna lay me with your three options, and then I'll I'll think of some stuff too, and then okay. we'll we'll flip a coin or something. Now what I've I've been now that we are allowed to play now to sync our PlayStation 4 controllers to our iPhones, playing random, you know, like playing just like Sonic the Hedgehog. Like now it's, now it's a fully fu- functioning playable game on my on my phone for the first time. The touch button. Going through trying to figure out what I want to play, and of course like the three top games um, don't actually require the controller but I would want to play Final Fantasy 2, like the original 2 again. You, you mean uh, the actual 2, the one that only made it? Actual 2. Oh god no. Uh, they, they, Veto that. Like a remake of it. <laughs> Veto that right? No. That game is... Three, the, the remake of 3. Also no. <laughs> okay, then how about Final Fantasy Tactics? Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind playing through Tactics. I don't know that I would do it justice. Um, I, I have played through that relatively recently. Um, okay. Like within the, recently. within the past two years. I love Tactics. I would suggest if you wanted to play a Tactics game, uh, I sent to you a copy of uh, Knights of oh, yeah. Lotus Ogre Tactics like four years ago at this point. I have it. That game is in fucking incredible. Um, I would suggest if you really wanted a tactics game to finally give that one a dust off. Um, as far as other games that I've been thinking about you and I play should play, um, I wanted to make you play The Last of Us, the original. Um, it's like a $5 game for either PS3 or PS4, and it is an incredible fucking game, and it only takes about 10 hours to get through. Um, been thinking about do doing that. that. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> we can do that. I, I have been, like wanting to play part two yeah but you can't unless you play one it's like literally like that'd be like watching the godfather 2 without seeing the godfather or like empire without seeing star wars it's like that level of storytelling it's really good um 
okay well if, if you want to yeah that'll be an easy month then so we're just going to do the original last of us and then uh hopefully that that'll uh gear up for me maybe wanting to play two again yeah that'll be easy i'll we'll do the last of us then if, if you don't mind 10 hour game that'll be perfect yeah it's it's nothing buddy find 10 hours it is it is for me man it it put me through some emotional shit especially the ending it uh i won't get into that until we get to the show but it really gut-wrenching throughout and tension-filled game really good though man um really really good storytelling on naughty dog's part uh anyway yeah uh sounds good to me man uh where can they reach you james they can reach me at goodbuddyjames at gmail.com. I check it every day. And, uh, <laughs> don't don't my Reddit. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, don't do that. I, I do the same thing. I'm at uh, simmonbelmont at outlook.com. And um, you can also reach me at retrocalandjames at James and Holland on Twitter. And we're both on Facebook as well under Is It Worth It Podcast. But yeah, don't, don't check the emails every day. I don't get emails every day. In fact, last email I got was from... Um, Steve, who sent me all the uh, cool Tiger stuff and the friggin' Superboy and all that stuff, and he would have had a much easier time, and he eventually did get in contact with me via uh, Discord, uh, because that's the easiest place to find us, and you can find us on Discord if you go over to uh, any of the places we said. If you just wanted a permanent link, I'll send that to you directly. Uh, I should also embed a permanent link into... um, like our Facebook page or something. I just have, I'm an incredibly lazy man and have never done that. Um, but you can find a permanent link off of, uh, if you look up RPG show podcast, you'll find the RPG shows, uh, webpage where you can find our other shows on there, video games, movie, um, our friends, the RPG show, their shows on there, the retro gaming round table, which is another show that I do with a group of random idiots. If you ever, if anyone listening to this wants to ever be on a show, the retro gaming round table, you are more than welcome to join us at some point. It's usually very impromptu. We just get four or five of us together, start with a topic and we just, we just go, we just talk. And, uh, it's, it's awesome. Uh, James was briefly on, I believe the very first episode and uh, needs to be on uh, when I'm with us one of these days when you know usually it's well, Saturdays at like seven. Yeah, I know, man. It's, I, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get the most amount of people that I can get. You know. I get you, I'll, and I'll join one of these days. That's not like I do anything right now. Next time, next one you do, give me some heads up. Yeah, I'll try to. It's usually like, oh shit, I haven't put one out in a month. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like ah you know it's not even my show you know I've, I've tried to i've tried to like say to anyone like if you want to make a retro gaming roundtable show um or a, not retro gaming an rpg roundtable show with you and your friends if you're listening and you record that and send it to me and you know once i listen to it and see whether or not it's you know a pile of shit or not i'll put it out as an episode because that's fine I'd love, I'd love to do that. Um, and low I, standards. we have very low standard, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, other than that, man, uh, the link is there on, on there as well for the, uh, the discord. And we have a number of people in discord daily talking about everything from unfortunately politics to, um, you know, sex lives to 
<laughs> you know, just whatever, like like you would your buddies. You know, it feels like family because we really have become uh, family over the years. A lot of us have been talking for literal years now, and uh, don't don't let that dissuade you from uh, jumping in. We love meeting new people, and uh, you know, we'll talk about literally anything. If you jump in and ask us a question about what we feel is the best this or that for a particular system or whatever it is, yeah, we're we're down for that. We will talk about literally anything. You know, and at any time of night, because we have fans from all over the world, Australia and Sweden and England and Canada. And I mean, we, we get hits from all over and it's a uh, it's a really cool place to be, in my opinion. Other than that, uh, until next time, what can they do, James? Keep it retro. We'll see you next time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Extra Life Podcast. I am your host, your good buddy, James. And today, we're talking about one of my all-time favorite games, Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Resident Evil, known in Japan as Biohazard, I guess they felt like they couldn't obtain the name biohazard in the United States or secure the rights for the name biohazard in the United States because there was a DOS game that already had that name and there was some heavy metal band out of New York also with that name. I also think like obtaining that name like would have been impossible because like every time I don't know, every time someone would print biohazard on something, would they have to pay Capcom? I I don't know. So I don't think our government would have allowed them to like have the rights to that name. I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about copyright law, but anyways, uh, like I said, it was developed by Capcom. It was released in 1996 for the Sony PlayStation and would come out later for the Sega Saturn. This game is credited for creating the genre survival horror. And uh, they would do a fantastic job right out the gates. Uh, gameplay. Okay, first of all, it starts out with a cinematic scene, which is an actual movie, which, you know, is really showcasing, you know, what the PlayStation can do. It can show a movie. It's a CD. It can show a movie, which was incredible. Um, it was one of the first games that actually I didn't own. Uh, my neighbors owned it, and but we'll get into it later. It was kind of a scary game, so I was the main one that would play it. Uh, but back to gameplay. Still camera. What that means is when you run around, uh, you'll have a, f- a camera in a fixed position. Imagine like a camera, like a hidden camera in a, a room somewhere. You know, when someone walks in, that's the only angle you got. When you leave that room, it suddenly picks up another camera. And to help with the controls for this like fixed camera angle, they introduce what's called tank controls, which means when you're pressing up, your character is going straight no matter what angle they are showing your character pressing up will force that character to go straight and i'll tell you when this game first came out that took a while to get used to it's so second nature to me now but i remember like i'd walk i'd be walking through a hallway all of a sudden boom the camera angle would change and I would think, like, oh, okay, now i got to press, you know, left to go straight because my character... But then I would just start turning to the left. I'm like, okay, no, wait. need to press up to go straight. I guess that's how tank controls... I guess that's how tanks work. They move up, and then when you turn left, they rotate to the left. They rotate to the right. You can kind of press up and to the left to get them to turn up and go up and left and up and right, and then back up. When you, when you press down, they just simply back up. 
Um, when you start the game, you get to choose between two characters. You got Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield. Jill, generally an easier game. You have more inventory slots. And you start out with the Beretta Pistol. Chris, slightly harder game. You have less inventory slots. And you start out with a knife, but you get the Beretta pretty quick. So it really doesn't you know, matter too much in that regard. Okay, so the majority of the game takes place in the Spencer Mansion, hence the name Resident Evil. It just takes place in a resident. Alright, the mansion is full of monsters, mainly zombies. That's, that's pretty much the main creature you're going to be fighting in this game. And you initially have, like I said, the Beretta, and you ultimately get a shotgun, the shotgun headshot to the zombies. That's your best bet. Other creatures you fight, you fight spiders. Spiders are terrifying. Again, shotgun and or a grenade launcher works well against them. Then you fight these creatures called hunters. And hunters are these green, kind of lizard-like, but they walk on two legs. So they're biped creatures with these long nails that can kill you in one shot if you're not careful. And these things are terrifying, to say the least. Now, aside from the monsters, there's a lot of puzzle solving in this game. Now, some of the puzzles are just like, you know, find a key and, you know, use the key in a certain spot or find, like, I don't know, like an emblem and insert the emblem to unlock this area, unlock that area. Those are, you know, those are okay. But there's also some puzzles that you really have to do some thinking. Like, they give you a riddle and you have to select certain buttons underneath certain paintings in a certain order to unlock... Um, a treasure or an artifact or a weapon or something. Uh, those are the more exciting puzzles for me. Those aren't, there aren't as many of those, unfortunately. There's some like keypad stuff where you have to play on a keypad till you get a certain um, sequence going. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of those. What this game really introduced and what makes it a survival horror game is the inventory management. You don't have an unlimited amount of ammunition. There is no way to leave and go buy more ammunition or kill something and have it drop ammunition or even like health items. There's only a finite amount of those things in the game. So you have to make every shot count, especially if you're playing with Chris, because there's even less when you play with him. That's what makes this game like unique to really many other games that have come before it. There are some mini-bosses in the game. There's a snake you fight in the beginning. There's a big plant you fight in like a guardhouse uh, nearby. The, the mansion. There's a big shark that's also in the guardhouse. The funny thing about these mini-bosses is you can actually avoid a lot of them, which is, you know, kind of weird. Now, the final boss is this genetically created monster called the Tyrant. And you actually have to fight him twice. Once in the laboratory in which he's created in, where he just kind of walks around the laboratory and you got to run from him and then turn, shoot, 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 he'll charge. You run some more, you turn, you shoot, 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 then you charge. Then once he dies, quote unquote, you then go through the laboratory area you're in at this point. At this point, I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole story. I'll talk about the story here in a second, but you're trying to escape the mansion at this point. And of course it has levels on levels on levels. Once you get to the rooftop of the mansion, then 
the tyrant reappears and you got to run around and kind of avoid the tyrant for a certain period of time. There's, you think you have like four or five minutes at this point. And then at a certain point, there's a helicopter pilot and he drops a bazooka for you. And then you just pick up the bazooka, aim it at the, the end boss and blow him up. Uh, the story for this game, basically there's some weird killings going on in this forest nearby the Spencer mansion and you're part, you're again, you're either Jill or Chris Valentine, and you're part of an elite squad called the Stars Unit. Stars. And the captain of your unit, or the leader of your unit, is a guy named Albert Wesker, and he sends the Bravo team out to check out what's going on with these uh, disappearances, these potential deaths happening out there near the Spencer mansion. Well, they go out there and after a few hours, uh, you lose contact with them. So then the alpha team goes in. That's what you're part of. And it's you, or excuse me, you, it's either, it's Chris and Jill. You got Albert Wesker. You got a guy named Barry Burton and you have Brad, your helicopter pilot. And of course, Joseph. And you, helicopter you you see the bravo team's helicopter or you see smoke coming from where you think the bravo team's helicopter is and you land and you're immediately attacked by these what they call hellhounds these like zombie dogs and joseph dies and the rest of you take off toward the mansion brad chickens out and takes the helicopter back into the sky while the rest of you run inside the mansion and then from there on out you are exploring the mansion if you play as chris jill's missing if you play as jill chris is missing and the rest of them are there uh to help you out or you think they're all there to help you out one of the uh, wesker i guess i guess the the game's been out long enough wesker's the big traitor as they reveal toward the end of the game and he's been working for the corporation umbrella the whole time uh, the one that is behind all these genetic experiments and trying to create the ultimate bioweapon. My experience with this game, uh, like I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, this was my neighbor's game initially. They they bought it. It was one of their first games. And I'd go over there and they actually have, they had, you know, characters, they had save slots, but they stopped playing because it was scary. It was scary for me too. So I kept going. We played as Jill first and the, the two brothers, they actually helped me out. You know, they, we had like a guide and um, toward the end, in the beginning, we were just all trying to figure out, you know, puzzles and where to go and how to, how to handle everything. We had to play this game during the day because it was just too scary at night. I mean, this game literally, literally gave me nightmares. And every time I play a Resident Evil game, I swear, like, the nightmares return while I'm playing the game, uh, which makes it a great game. I mean, I, I wouldn't take anything away. It's, it's a fun time. Eventually, I would buy this game for the Sega Saturn, and I guess the Sega Saturn version is actually worth a little bit more than the PlayStation version, only because I don't think they made as many. Uh, but God, what a what a fantastic game! It would it would spur some, you know, gosh, how many? I don't even know how many movies are up to now. Four or five movies, and uh, there was a rumor of more coming out. I don't know. I think that's all been kind of put on hold, especially because of the whole COVID thing and everything. Uh, for games, I can't even tell you how many games we have. We have. They just released Resident Evil 8 trailer, so we have 8 in the, the main series, plus you have Code Veronica, which is kind of just a ever-so-slight offshoot of the main series, and then you have a whole bunch of other games 
uh, Resident Evil Survivor. Oh god, I can't even think of it right now. But a bunch of other games that you know are in the Resident Evil world. Uh, now they're remaking games. They even they remade the first one. They remade the second one. They remade the third one. Uh, they haven't done anything with the fourth one like fully yet. They've done some you know graphic upgrades and stuff. Same with the fifth one. Nothing for the sixth one. And then the seventh one was is a whole different style. Well, actually, let me let me back up. The first three games and Code Veronica are kind of the same play style with the tank controls and the still camera. And then four, five, and six become kind of more of like an action game. They kind of leave this world of survival horror and move into kind of action where you're behind the character. You're no longer the third person. And, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for ammo and healing, I, I felt. And then they go back to the survival horror for the seventh and eighth uh, games of course I, i've only know the eighth game based on the trailer at this time but uh, but it's first person that's the big the big change and they're really back to that like inventory management and uh it's just the for the seventh game god that was it was probably the scariest one so far uh, although if you ask blaine he'll say the remake of the second one is because of mr x uh but hey resident evil one the original 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 you know, fantastic game. Graphics that didn't hold up well. Uh, the remake for it is also a really good game. They added in a lot of new content. Oh, Barry! That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> You're right. Barry, thanks for saving my life. Uh, it keeps a lot of the same controls. Still camera, which is, you know, for better or for worse, still, still pretty good. The remakes for Resident Evil 2 and 3 definitely uh abandoned some of that old style controls and still camera stuff but then those games are just especially the second one fantastic but anyways resident evil one amazing game love it definitely one of my um favorite games of all time all right hey if you have anything you want to comment on talk to me about questions concerns anything at all please reach out to goodbuddyjames at gmail.com Looks like we're going to clock this one in right about oh, 15 minutes or so. That's exactly how long I want these uh, extra lives to last. They've been kind of running a little long lately. But uh, hey, we got the Is It Worth It podcast before this and now Extra Life podcast with me. Uh, yeah, that's it. As always, keep it retro. Hey, everyone. My name is Elon Musk. I just wanted to say that although Resident Evil is a good game, the best game ever is a game that I created named Blastar. It is by far the best game in the world and I will fight anyone who thinks otherwise. Speaking of people I would like to fight, Versnick. You want some bro? Hey Skithks. You wanna go? And of course Menthion. I will beat you down like a clown bro. And to all you other ass clowns in the Discord you know where to find me. I'll be in. Outer space with my SpaceX team pissing all over your world. Musk out bitches.